So in Galatians chapter 6, if you want to know what that's got to do with Deuteronomy chapter 30, we will talk about that obviously, but the message today is about determining your destiny, determining your destiny, which does sound a little bit contradictory, determining your destiny or sowing for success, whatever you'd like to call it. So what do you think, so Chloe, if you're taking notes, when you preach this again when you're back home in Canada, you can choose any of those. And uh, we've been looking at, at Galatians, which talks a lot about um, grace as opposed to self-righteousness. And it talks a lot about... Hey, Joe. <laughs> He's so subtle. <laughs> um, and then we go into... Uh, and it talks about... Galatians talks about how the church began to get carried away with legalism. The idea that uh, even though you're saved by grace, you're sanctified by your works, or uh, even though you're saved by the righteousness of God, you're sanctified by self-righteousness, um, believing that you, the things you do uh, make you more righteous. And uh, and Paul says to them, "Were you were did you not receive the Holy Spirit through faith and grace? So how do you expect then to be sanctified or to grow in God?" By works if you couldn't even get saved by it and then last week we looked at what that looks like then uh, walking in the spirit what it looks like if you're trusting God and how you walk and of course we talked about there's the works of the flesh which the Bible says are evident to all so turn the person next to you if they spat the dummy today say say your works were evident I love it when husbands, I know they just turn. <laughs> just look straight ahead. So, it, you know, when we flesh out, it becomes very evident. And, and <laughs> now some of us get good at hiding it, I know, but eventually it comes out. And fleshing out really is, uh, it's, it's, it, and the uh, nine or so items that are listed, they're divided into those things which, you know, if you, you know, fornication, pornography, all those sorts of things. Uh, the sexual sins and then later it goes on to the other worldly sins and in the middle is what I call the religious sins so they're, they're things that people do when they're really um, basing their religious life on self-righteousness so judging others uh, criticizing others you know um, you know talking so that we can pray about someone or, uh, or forming groups forming groups within a, within a fellowship or outside the fellowship or thinking somehow we're better than the church across the road because they don't have this truth and all those things they're religious works and they're evident but then it says but the fruit of the spirit now notice one is works from one's fruit so what comes naturally when you trust in God for his righteousness and your faith is in God to live your life uh, and that fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, long suffering now a lot of Christians are and our long-suffering patience, that, that, that means, uh, uh, it's the same word, uh, it means really to be able to take a lot of things that come against you and, and your attitude, your love walk doesn't change, where you stand with God changes, which implies that there are going to be a lot of things come against us, yeah. right? So a, a lot of, uh, it, it really means to do that with joy, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith. A lot of Christians are good at suffering, but not necessarily good at suffering with joy <laughs> <laughs> or grace. Let everyone know about it. 
Okay, and then now in 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 uh, then in in uh, Galatians six, it turns over and it becomes relational. You'll notice with the epistles, uh, almost always, uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul or whomever starts with what we are to believe, and then goes on to now if you believe that this is how you live your life, or this is how this is what it looks like to walk in that. All right. So there's a few really interesting comments he makes here, and I'm going to settle down in verse uh, chapter seven, verse seven and eight. But just interestingly, he said, "Brethren, if there's anyone caught in any trespass, jump on them, pile on them, expose them to the world, and criticize them in front of everyone." Do you see is that your translation? It's got there. If anyone is caught in trespass, you who are spiritual. You who are spiritual, restore. Don't expose. Don't gossip. Don't tell the world. Don't do a press release. Don't be worried about what everyone's going to think about the church. You who are spiritual, restore. Now, they, it's not an implication. It's explicit, really. And then it says, be careful that you don't, go, you don't fall that way. So really, if you have an understanding of righteousness by faith in God, and that there's nothing you can do or they can do or not do to make you unrighteous and you're walking in that and you're in grace then really you're the type of person you know if we've slipped up that's the type of person we want to hey let's do coffee yeah right i'll send an email out to the whole world i'll do a press release let's do a coffee in fact jesus said go one-on-one -on -one. the bible says go one-on-one -on -one. With them. The only time where it exposes sin is when that sin has been blatantly carried on in front of the church and basically taught as the way to live. All right? And, uh, you know, so unfortunately for Peter, I'm sure he's rejoicing now, but, but he was exposed in Galatians because he was getting there probably teaching self righteousness and the law. And once that goes taught, well, that, that needs to be addressed graciously to the whole church. But really, one of the reasons, you know, the, the Bible says the power of sin is in the law. You go around exposing people and criticizing people, and, and they feel condemned and they feel guilty. That just gives Satan power on them to just keep living in sin. They might throw to self-righteousness or they might, or they get trapped. You know what it's like when you're feeling bad about yourself. You can't pray. You can't read the Bible. You know, you're sick. It's like, what have I got spinach in my teeth? <laughs> <laughs> a bit better. So it says, go gently, and, and it says, don't critique, don't, don't, don't condemn. It says, you who are spiritual, you who understand grace, restore. That means, hey, I know what it's like. That there's a better way. And don't be condemned. Our sins are under the blood. God knew, Jesus knew, that there's a better way to build up. That's good news. That is good news. So if anyone does come and point out a sin to you, your own personal sin or short plannings, you just say, Hang on, are you spiritual? Those of you who are spiritual, who walk by the Spirit. Then it goes on about helping one another's burdens carry your own burdens. Interesting little sermon at there, but it says everyone should carry one, uh, help each other's burdens. The word there means it being overcome by a huge boulder. 
but everyone's to carry their own burdens. So the things that we should reasonably carry, getting a job, doing work, contributing, everyone should carry their own burdens. But when one of us is overcome, overcome by grief or overcome in a, in a poverty situation, overcome, that's when we get alongside them and help them. Right? So what? Then it says, the one, uh, verse six, I, I love this verse. Who loves verse six? Yeah, thank you. It says, uh, the one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, like I said, Joe was taking a menu for meals for me for the next six weeks. All right, so I'm expecting us to act on that. All right, is to share all good things. Uh, then, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. This is where we get interesting. For whatever a person sows, the person then shall reap that. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The word there, eternal life, is zoe. It means the type of life, life abundant, the type of life that God has. So, he's saying there, if you want the life that God has, you can't keep sowing to your flesh. Now that means, of course, the obviously destructive sins, but it also means the self-righteous sins. It also means doing things, criticizing people. It also means an acts of religion, all right? It's that you sow to the flesh, you reap, you reap destruction or death from the flesh, but you sow to the spirit. Now, you know, when you read the Bible, you need to look at what, how was that, expression used in that in that um, chapter and then in other books by the same author and that's just how you read that's how you find out what it means so in sowing to the spirit we know that the holy spirit through the apostle paul in uh, in in galatians chapter 3 was not talking sorry sowing to the flesh was not talking about good works as in things you do to earn credit points with god all right that is, in fact, sowing to the flesh. What he is talking about is walking out of faith, walking out of love, um, believing the best in others, uh, uh, ministering grace to others, uh, believing God in your situation that he's going to deliver you, that he's going to cause growth in you, trusting in his promises. That is walking in the spirit. Because he says here in, in Galatians 3, he says, the only thing I want to find out from you is, did you receive the Spirit by being good, by works of the law, or by hearing with faith? So walking in the Spirit, according to the Holy Spirit, is hearing God's Word, believing God's Word, and acting on God's word. That is what the Holy Spirit backs. The Holy Spirit doesn't empower our good works when they're done from self-righteousness. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, because I've done this, well, here's a good Christian, why haven't they been healed? And that's got nothing to do with you're a good Christian or not. I don't even know what a good Christian is. You tell me what a good Christian is. That's rhetorical, I'm glad you didn't answer. <laughs> because 
Righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ. So we made right now a good Christian is one who believes they've been made righteous and walk out that righteousness. They live and walk in that and walk in love and walk in the fruits of the Spirit. We have it in us. We have it in us. It's in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. You've been born again. If you've been born again, those fruits are in you. Love, joy, it's in you. The Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. It's in you. Love, joy. I have joy. I have joy is in me. We need to stir it up sometimes. Whatever trials come against me, I know I've got the victory. I've read the back of the book. It's a cliche, but we do win. <laughs> Whatever happens, we win. So we can laugh in the face of danger. <laughs> All right, we laugh. I laugh in the face of danger. Love, joy, peace, long suffering. So when trials come again, these are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. I know this enemy, the enemy comes against me. He's going to come against me one way and he's going to go back 9, 10, 12, 20 ways. That's walking in the Spirit. That's knowing I'm powered by the Spirit. But we have here a choice of two destinies in our life. A destiny to reap death from the flesh or to reap life from walking in the Spirit. And so then, that's how it ties into Deuteronomy 30. And Deuteronomy 30 is an interesting chapter. So we flip over there. There's a couple of things I want to point out from there and then I'm going to tell you some stories. Yay, stories. I love stories. So Deuteronomy 30 Thank you, Paul, for reading that. We know the situation. God has laid out, again, the law. Now, remember, when we read this, that the law was fulfilled in Christ. All right? So all the deeds which we could not walk in righteously ourselves were fulfilled in Christ. And then his righteousness is transferred or imputed to us when we have faith in him. So when we read, do this, do that, we need to slip in, and you know, we can show you the scriptures later, but we need to slip in, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, yeah. trust God, trust his promises. Those things are credited to us in righteousness. But there's a few things here that I want to point out to you. See, we have a destiny. God lays it out here. We really have two destinies. We have the do-nothing destiny, which is what the world or the spirits in this world or the, the spirits of this age is, as the uh, uh, the epistles will, will talk about will want to bring to pass in your life and then we have the God destiny now Jesus said you can tell the difference he said the thief comes but to steal, steal kill and destroy if it's stealing if it's killing if it's destroying it's the thief you don't need to. He said, you don't need to check. All right? If you do need to check, read it in here. John 10, 10. But I have come that you might have life, the God kind of life, and have it abundantly. That's the life that God has. Is that way? The life that God has now. The life that God imputed through Jesus. That is God's destiny for us. Every Christian I know believes that because we all believe in heaven. Don't we? Amen. We all believe that God has a place for us, a, a reward for having faith in Him, all right, which is, is received through, through faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus prayed, Let thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Let thy kingdom come, the, the reign of, of the heavenly Father, which is now in heaven. Heaven actually means the, the region or the, the, the precinct, and it doesn't have to be a physical, physical space. It is a real space, but we can have heaven here. We can have the kingdom of heaven here. Remember last week in Galatians chapter 5, those who practice those things will not walk in the kingdom of heaven, will not inherit the portion that is for us now. Right? So we have a God destiny and we have a world destiny. We have what I call the do-nothing destiny because the default in this world is decay and destruction. You know that if you don't do anything, your meal's not going to get cooked. <laughs> All right, now I have developed a strategy. Well, then there's a way you'll be glad to know. My strategy is, like the beginning of the week, I cook two kilos of mince or two kilos of chicken. I can see a lot of men nodding here. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. And then I just cook it up for it in the fridge. And then for the next week, I've got whatever flavored chicken I like. I just, I put it, I put it in the bowl. And I, I can choose between Italian, Mexican, whatever in everything I like because I've got all the seasonings. I just put it in there and I heat it up and then I put some veggies in there, stir it up and presto! How do I get onto that? Do nothing. Yeah, to do nothing, yeah. Well, you know that if you do nothing, the world leads to decay. If you do nothing spiritually, you get into the flesh pretty quick. Amen. Um, the devil will hurt you. If you do not have your quiet times, if you do not pray, if you do not set aside those times to promote your fellowship with the, with the Father and in the Holy Spirit, then you lead to decay. So the do-nothing thing, the turn it over, you may think you're turning it over to God, but you're doing nothing. All right? Because he's told you here that I said today, heaven and earth, and they're going to judge you. They're going to decide what's right. He said, I've set beside you the blessings, and the curse and then he pleads with us choose life all right but he says this in there which is i find really interesting he says this i hope you'll find it interesting too he says um what did he say do not say oh yes for this command verse 11 which i command you today is not too difficult for you it's not out of reach it's not up in heaven. Well, that means the other tops of the mountains there. So that you're going to say, I'm going to have to climb up to get. I'm going to have to work hard to earn this. He's not saying that. It's not down the depths of the sea where you've got to say, I'm going to have to go this and find it. He said, this is near you in your heart and in your mouth. Now, does anyone recognize that scripture? From Romans 10. It's the salvation scripture. And the Bible says this is the word or the message of faith. People get carried away. Paul used the word word of faith. They get carried away with that. It's scriptural. All right. And like anything, people go off to extremes on everything. But this is the message of faith that we have, that it, it is near you. It is in your heart. So the deliverance God has for you needs to be built in your heart and then expressed out of your mouth. Now, by that, it means, yes, obviously, what you say, when I say obvious, because when you know the Bible after a little while, you'll see it's obvious. 
that what you say is the first act of faith and the primary act of faith. James says you steal your whole life with words of your mouth. All right? But there's many other acts of faith where you are acting on it. All right? And so this is what God says, how to activate God's plan for your life is to believe some things, believe what God has said about you and then act as if that's true. He said, it's not hard. I love the story of Jesus uh, going across the water in the, when there's a storm. <laughs> there's a storm coming. Uh, and he, he says he sleeps. They said, I think it's Mark, it was Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's in all three of them. He said, Jesus fell asleep. And they woke him up. And they, said, so they said, we're dying. How come you're sleeping? And he rebukes the storm. And then he turns to them and says, where is your faith? Well, that tells me some things. That tells me that Jesus thought this was easier than what the disciples thought. I was kind of on the disciples' side, weren't you? <laughs> I kind of relate to that. And yet he's saying, and I'm convinced from that and other scriptures that it's actually meant to be easier than what we think. That when we become fully convinced of how much God loves us, how he's not mad at us, what he has for us, that he believes in us, where his dream, what he gave for us, then it becomes easy to believe. And remember, Jesus didn't act as God when he was doing that. He acted as man. Colossians says that he put aside all things that made the, all the powers that God had, and he walked as a man in the Holy Spirit with faith and the power of the Holy Spirit, and he spoke to that storm. And so it's telling me here that we can sow things in our life, it says in Galatians, now if you sow to your spirit, you'll reap life from the spirit. If you sow doubt and unbelief, if you sow self-based righteousness, if you sow condemnation, if you allow condemnation to come on you and do not resist it, if you have pity parties, you sow into the flesh. I know it feels good. Who knows it feels good? Sometimes it feels good to have a little pity party. Woe is me. Well, that's the flesh. You sow to the flesh, you reap death. Reject it. Reject it. Say it's not true. Not true, woe is me. Righteous is me. Loved is me. You don't know what I've done, Pastor Grant. You're right, I don't want to know. <laughs> You don't know what I've done, and I'm not going to tell you because <laughs> it's under the blood. That's right. right. So we sow joy, we sow faith, we sow righteousness. We can choose our destiny. We can choose God's will for us by investing in God's word in our heart, believing it, and sowing to the Spirit. Now, some things happen in our lives that are just bang miracles. They're just, I call them bang miracles because miracles have happened bang like that, all right? But in the long term, 
what your life will live out will be in accordance to what you've sown in it. And so God gives us the opportunity now to sow grace and to sow love and to sow faith and to form our beliefs now so that we can reap the harvest coming forward. Did he not say, what is God not saying in Galatians? That you can sow to the flesh and reap death, that's your destiny. Or you can sow to the spirit and reap life, that's your destiny. Two destinies, one from the world, one from God. Was he not saying in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I call heaven and earth to witness to you today, you can can believe in me, don't say it's too hard, it's not too hard. To be honest, people who say it's too hard and people who say it's not too hard are both right. It's not too hard. When Jesus said, have faith in God, he would be cruel if if you couldn't have faith in God. Everyone, not just half of you or everyone, he says, have faith like God has faith. The the weird thing about faith is all you've got to do is believe it's true and act on it. It's simple. It's hard on the flesh, but it's simple. It's hard when someone's done you wrong on the flesh to bless them. Boy, it heals your heart. Boy, it sows life. It sows life to them. It sows life to you to walk in love, doesn't it? It sows life to forgive. When we were, um, soon after Linda and I, soon after Linda and I were married, we'd been married like two years, and um, I, I had, I've done a lot of foolish things in my life. <laughs> I was right into like, a, I was always living years ahead, you know, years ahead. Now that I'm in my mid-40s, I realize. (laughs) I'll tell you if it's a joke. (laughs) I realize time's going to come. And time doesn't end when I die. You know, the life I have eternal with Christ will be built upon the life I have now. I'm just closer to that glory than a lot of you are. All right? But, you know, I would do things like I had a good teaching job in Auckland and I left it to go and sell pictures because I thought I could sell pictures door to door more than I made money teaching. All these stupid things, all these stupid, stupid things. Uh, And just, you know, especially young guys. Who knows young guys do stupid things? Come on, come on. Sarah, I saw the nod. (laughs) You just think, I gotta get there, I gotta do this. Um, You know, the Bible says, do not think yourself more high than what that was written to young men. (laughs) It was, do not think yourself more high, but you're like that, you can, and you want it now. And you don't realize that you have to build up in yourself, in the spirit, you gotta build up. So I had all this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna do that, you know. Then after a couple of years, um, we basically still didn't have our own place to live in. We finally, I finally got a job as a youth worker working shifts and Linda got a bit of part-time work and we ended up getting our first real place. Our first place uh, by itself was soon after we were married and it was a little unit under at Howick, Howick in Auckland, anyone know Auckland? Howick in Auckland. And it was a little, it smelled of mold and everything like that. We didn't have any furniture. So we picked up one chair on the way uh, to 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 get the place it was one old chair, really old. It was in tatters, 
And uh, I cooked meal, we had spaghetti bolognese, and Linda sat in the chair and I sat down at her feet where I belong. And we had our first meal in our first place. We still have that chair. So if you visit our place and you wonder why this really old, really old, I mean, it was antique back then, really old tattered chair, that's the first. One day when I got a spare thousand dollars, I'm going to refurbish it all into it. So there's our first chair, we still got it. But then we got this place in Mawson in, uh, in Canberra, which was a two bedroom flat and it was beautiful. I looked, looked over the Woden Valley and I had this um, job as a, um, as, on shifts as a, as a youth worker and Linda was picking up part-time work and we started to become very comfortable you know <laughs> when I say comfortable I mean up to that stage we had a Yamaha 125 that was our mode of transport now one now I'm not small like I'm just over six foot and you know Linda she's petite but <laughs> <laughs> But you try the Yamaha 125 is about that big, all right, and about that high, okay? That's got like a lawnmower engine in it, all right? And so we would go on holidays on this Yamaha 125, drive, drive down, the, down the mountain to, you know, Bateman's Bay and then up the mountain, 9,000 red, we had Linda on the back, we had the front luggage, I think luggage over, I think luggage over there. So, so we, 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 when we started to, get really prosperous, we bought the like 1974 Toyota Corolla two-door. You know those? Baby Poo Brown. You want to see the Baby Poo Brown ones? That's it. So we thought we were starting to prosper, you know. And we started to get fleshly. When I say fleshly, it's that we we still believed in God, we still had the Bibles, you know, all that sort of stuff. But we just thought, oh, we'll give church a break. So we had church one week, break one week, decided to go every second week. Then after a couple of months, I realized it had been six weeks since we've been to church. And we sat down and had a good honest talk. Is this the life we want to live? Because really what we were doing, we got comfortable, so we're just sewing to our flesh. We got comfortable. We now had a crawler. We had windows. <laughs> you don't know how much a window, luxury a window. We had a heater. And you talk about camera in winter when you've been riding around the Yamaha 125 to have a car with windows and a heater. But we were comfortable. And so we get comfortable. You know, the, the Bible tells us that that's one of the signs that you're getting fleshly. You get comfortable and you start stop sowing to the spirit, start sowing to the flesh. That's in uh, the parable of the sower. If he can't get you into blatant sin, he'll just get you comfortable. Forget what you're living for. Forget what you've been called for. Six weeks came and went, and we had to decide this is not this is not the life we want. So we decided to go to go back to church. We we're going to go to church, and since then, every day for all of our lives, the church is on we're here. There was once, just before we started this church, where I gave the team the Sunday off, and Linda and I were going to sleep there because we were visiting other church. And Linda, Linda and I were going to sleep in. All right, we thought we're going to get a Sunday off. And, and Elise got up, and this is because we've trained our kids this way. Elise got up, she got dressed, and knocked on the door, Where are you? We're going to church. So we decided to go to church, and you know what we did? We backdated all that time. You can't bribe God, you can't earn God, and we needed the money. But we wanted better jobs, and we knew that we had to honor God. We needed to sow to the Spirit. You do it not to impress God, you do it because you say, I know God's my source. Yeah. 
I know he can move in a way that I supernaturally that I can't move. So we backdated six weeks of tithes. And, and then we said, we said, we're going to start applying for jobs. Well, Linda, within probably two weeks, I think it was 10 days, Linda had a job with legal in general, a job that she didn't think she, she, uh, she deserved. And it was, you know, beyond the capability. She got that, she kept that job really until we uh, left for the States. We had children in between. There was a job going in the, one of the Anglican schools. This is one of the elite schools in, uh, in Canberra. It's called Radford College. And it's now it's now very elite. It's right up there. So you know, with the uh, you know, like Sunshine Coast Anglican or BBC or Brisbane Grammar, it was one of those type schools. And they had a job for a PE teacher. Well, I was primary trained, but I had taught some PE. Like I had you know, run around that tree. So <laughs> <laughs> I push up to be naughty, do star jumps. You know, I for primary I taught some PE. So I thought, well, I'm going to have a go at this. I'm going to trust God. I'm talking about the difference between sowing to your flesh yeah. and sowing to the spirit and how sowing to the spirit will reap life. So I applied for this job. I got an interview and it's a beautiful school, beautiful grounds. And all I had, I didn't even have a degree. I just had the bachelor, the, the diploma in primary school teaching. Back in the day, guys, primary school teachers just got a three-year diploma and then we had to do it a year later. I didn't even have, I wasn't trained as a private school as a PE teacher but I went for this interview and did I trust God I was even going to it was trusting God because you would think no way you'd really think I, I, I got an interview I got an interview for this thing all right and and, and then at the interview the interview went well a couple of days later they said we'd like to offer you the job I was there for almost seven years in this and I became I became the head of a department I got offered the principalship of the primary school. I turned it down to go to Bible college. But I, I can remember I'd been there about two days and the head of PE sat me down and said, Grant, we like you. You know, we, we like you. We think you're a nice guy. And we've watched the lessons. Your lesson's right. But I don't understand how you got the job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how you got the job. I said, thanks for the vote of confidence, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew Wrigley, if you're listening. <laughs> all right. And you don't understand the job. I said, well, why is that? He said, well, first of all, you're not trained as a bitch. Secondly, the head of PE and sport in, at Canberra Grammar applied for this job. So you hear what I'm saying? God has good things. He has life for you when we start sowing to the Spirit. When we start sowing to the Spirit. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. We have two destinies. We have the do nothing destiny, or we have the God's plan destiny. The God's plan destiny is to find out what God says, believe it, and act on it. All right? That's when we walk in the Holy Spirit. That is walking in the Spirit. In Mark chapter 5, we have this story here. It's the story of the woman who has the issue of blood. You know the story. She was walking in the Spirit. If you want to know what walking in the Spirit is, this is walking in the Spirit. Now, we think, you know, it's interesting because we were a Pentecostal church. I don't know what that means to you, but that means we can be a little bit crazy sometimes. All right? Or people will think we're crazy. 
Uh, but it means you know, it means we believe in the Holy Spirit, baptism, the Holy Spirit, so as an experience after after you after your uh, after your salvation. We are born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us as a subsequent. That's what it means. But you know, in our culture, very often, like you think you're in the Spirit when you roll back and your eyes flip over and they start to twitter and you fall over and I go like this and I'll push you over and I'll push you over and all this stuff and we have two smoke machines one on either side and we've become in our culture to think that that is the move of the Holy Spirit that is not the move of the Holy Spirit now that's not to say the Holy Spirit isn't there he often is and he always is and he's there in varying degrees and I've been in services where thousands of people have fallen down and been slain. I've been in services where there's been some of the most of my, but walking in the spirit is walking in love. Yes. Hello. Mm -hmm. It's walking in love and joy yeah. and patience and long suffering mm -hmm. and being gracious to people yeah. and, and finding God's promises and standing on them and acting on them and it's got nothing to do with how many people fall down anyone can put on a performance now I'm not saying you know I've been there and all that and God moves in those things but the Holy Spirit will move when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit AOG in Armadale my father went and saw the the, the Dean of the Anglican Cathedral to come and, and warn me about it what he didn't know is that people were walking into the Dean's office and going down the Holy Spirit and though people were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in the service, and they were standing up and down and reading from their books, and there was smoke and all sorts of things. So the Holy Spirit is bigger than all those things. But being spiritual is walking in faith and love and joy and staring down this other destiny and saying, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe Him. I'm going to act on Him. And this woman with the issue of blood, this was a Holy Spirit moment. I know it's a Holy Spirit moment because Jesus says, and the power went from Him. In other places, it says the power of God was there to heal. In, in other verses, in, in other stories, the power went from Him. But you can imagine how what it felt like for her to walk in the Spirit. So, in uh, Mark 5, verse 25, a woman had a hemorrhage of blood for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. There are two destinies for our life. There's the do-nothing destiny. There's just the kind of just roll whatever comes my way. Or there's a destiny that says, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to act on what God says. I'm believing better things for my family. I'm believing better things for my workplace. I'm believing better things for this city and this nation. I'm believing the promises of God. Because the Bible then says, and she heard about Jesus. What did she hear about Jesus? What have you heard about Jesus? What have you heard about Jesus that can change your life? I don't know your situations. I don't know your needs. But I tell you, he can change your life. Because if you have a need, he is the answer. He is the answer. Now, walking in the Spirit 
is hearing the promise. She heard about Jesus and she said this. She said this. Now, what you say is your faith speaking generally, unless you're lying, all right? But if you're being honest and, and you know, in the honest point of precious, what you say is your faith speaking. That's not the only way that, that faith is released because, because you know, all your works need to line up with it. But that's the primary way. That's the way God called into existence the world. He spoke. So obviously she acted. Because the Bible says, well, this is what she believed. She came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak for. Now the NSB says, for she thought, but you read it in the Greek and most other translations says she said. But in fact, I think the Amplified said she kept on saying. She kept on saying. I'm facing things the last couple of weeks, just thoughts and fears and failings. And I start saying to myself every morning, I start saying, I, I, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I start saying, I'm strong in the Lord, the power is mine. I just want to say over. I'm strong in the Lord, the power is mine. I'm strong in the Lord, the power is mine. I'm strong in the Lord, the power is mine. I believe that to be true. Yeah. Who believes that to be true? Yes. Then we need to start saying it. Yeah. Right? I'm strong in the Lord, the power is mine. And I noticed that the days after that, when the same fears and the same tests came across me, guess what? I was strong in the Lord, the power is mine. Yeah. Funny that. <laughs> Funny that. For she said, if I but touch his cloak, I shall get well. I shall be made well. And she acted on it. And the power of God, that was a miraculous power of God. Now you understand there's working of miracles, there's gifts of healings. But there's also just walking in the spirit. There's also having that harvest of life, which is for us. It's for our family. Jesus said, I've come to have life. It's for us. We need to start sowing. When we see those things, don't settle for second best. Don't settle for lies. Don't settle for defeat. Don't settle for condemnation. It, it'll come up to you. That voice of condemnation, that voice of defeat, speak to it. Find your scripture and say, this is true. You're a lie. I refuse to believe you. I am not going to be moved by. Now your head will scream. Who knows her head was screaming? Her head had to be screaming. It had to be. But who knows that that God is not moved by whether your head's screaming or not. God's moving about whether you're going to act on what you believe. Because yeah. that gives him license to move in our life. That's why when people afflict us, people don't speak bad about us, we speak love back to them. Don't we? <laughs> I know I should. <laughs> it's good. It's just saying, you try and understand something. They're hurt. They're just hurt. I've been hurt. Why am I going to judge them? Speak love. Pour love into that situation. Walk in the Spirit. Pour grace in that situation. I know you've put up with me, some of you, for a couple of years. You have got to show some love to put up with me. Haven't you, Chloe? Yes. <laughs> All right? Just ask Linda. And I'll ask my son, my daughter-in-law. Just pour love into the situation. Try it. It's good. It means I'm not going to accept the judgment of sin on my life, so I'm going to pour grace on this other person's life. I'm going to walk in love. You walk in love with people. Watch God move. And watch you move as your blessings come back to you and you start getting friends and they start trusting you. That's why Jesus said, 
the same measure that you give will be given back to you. It's actually talking about walking in love. It's actually talking about sowing the lie. Amen. So we have two destinies, guys, and Galatians talked about it. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. We can't expect to walk in the flesh, to walk in fear, to judge people, to criticize people, to just blame back and take whatever the devil wants to throw our way, and then expect God to move on us. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You know, the children of Israel going into Egypt, into Israel, sorry, it was easy to get into Egypt. Two of them stood up, Caleb and Joshua, out of four million to walk in the spirit and claim God's promise. How many got in the promised land? From that generation too. But I believe better about you. I believe better about you. So Paul said, I believe better about you. Well, who believes better about themselves? We're going to walk in the spirit and walk in the promise of God. Amen. Praise God.